0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And we are back with episode sixty-one of the podcast. And this week, we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus ten card headline by Rafael dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. These fights will be taking place in Rochester, New York, and there will be thirteen fights kicking off at five p.m. Eastern times, all on ESPN Plus. At the end of the podcast, we will be quickly recapping the UFC 237 pay-per-view that happened in Rio de Janeiro this past weekend. But uh, starting things off, we got ourselves a pretty good 13-fight card going down from Rochester, New York. You know, at first glance, this card looked pretty weak. Um, like some of the fight night cards do, but once you study all the fights and you look into the matchups, you realize that there's a lot of good fights on the card. Uh, should be some close uh, fights, a couple of rematches, and uh, you know a pretty interesting main event with Kevin Lee moving up to one seventy to take on the veteran former champion Rafael Dos Anjos. So. So I'm looking forward to breaking down all 13 fights, but starting things off in the featherweight division, we have Julio Arce who is 15 and 3 taking on Julian Erosa who is 22 and 7. Now, the opening betting line for this one was Arce at minus 400 to Erosa at plus 280. But looking over at our affiliated sportsbook, 5dimes.eu, we are seeing Julio Arce at minus 730 to Erosa at plus 515. So a lot more action coming in on the favorite Julio Arce's way. And rightfully so, you know, Arce has looked very impressive in the UFC so far, despite losing his last fight to Shaman Marais, um, a very... uh, Very good fighter and Marais, you know, was able to, you know, just best him that night. You know, it was a close to split decision uh, officially, but I have Marais winning that fight three to zero. You know, he, uh, Arce was dropped uh, two times in that fight with uh, some powerful right hands by Marais, Uh, but I don't think we have to be worried about that in this matchup with Erosa. Erosa's, uh, you know, his striking is not too impressive. Uh, His offensive striking isn't terrible, but his defensive striking is, is very bad he has a pretty bad chin he's been knocked out um, you know once a year for the past 4 years he leans his head in and exchanges and he keeps his hands very low and he doesn't really move his head a lot so he gets hit a lot and you know he got knocked out in uh, by Devont- Devontae smith not that long ago um and in his most recent fight against uh, grant dawson you know he he lost that fight very decisively too now he was taken down in that fight you know uh, non-stop he was able to get up in that fight uh, a, a few times and you know create some distance from the uh, and scramble back to his feet but he was you know just bested by dawson he was one step behind that entire fight he did show some good sub defense in that fight um But that's about it it, it for Erosa. You know, he has some nice kicks as well. Those are what he does well. But his boxing is not really too much of a threat. So on the feet, I think Arce uh, will have a big advantage with his boxing. He's got a really nice jab and just a solid boxing and uh, pretty solid defense as well. Uh, And he can also mix up the the fight with the wrestling and take uh, the fight to the floor and get a submission. Now, I don't think he will um, go for the submission in this one because Erosa showed some good sub-defense versus Dawson last fight. So I think that this fight will be contested mostly on the feet, and I just think that Arce will have a big, big advantage on the feet. He should win by you know thirty twenty seven. He might even finish um, Julian Nerosa along the way. But I think that Arce is more of like a volume puncher, honestly. And I think that uh, you know this might I think this is his fourth fight in the UFC. You know he might be a little worried about losing that contract if he loses this fight. So I expect him to play it safe and win a uh, thirty twenty seven decision next fight is in the middleweight division we got trevin giles who is undefeated at 11 and 0 taking on zach cummings who is 22 and 6 now the opening betting line for this one was trevin giles at minus 135 to Zach Cummings at minus 105. And right now, looking over at five dimes, we see Giles at minus 160 to Cummings at plus 140. So, more action coming in, in Trevin Giles' way. I agree with the line movement in this fight as well. Um, you know, I've been uh, pretty impressed with Trevin Giles, honestly. I, I had not, honestly, heard of him uh, up until this week. I must, you know, he has not fought in 18 months. His last fight was in. Uh, December of 2017 that last fight against uh, bragged Neto he looked he looked re- really really good he uh, lost the first round of that fight Um he was uh, taken down in that fight and, you know, kind of just held on his back for a little bit. But he stayed solid defensively against, you know, a really dangerous jiu-jitsu guy. And then uh, was landing some really good punches on the feet. Even in the first round of the fight, the round that he lost, he was landing some good punches. Had a really nice jab going. And then in the rounds two and three of that fight, Trevin Giles just put an absolute beat down on Braga Donetto. Um, You know, he, he he was just, you know... Absolutely maul with punches for seven eight minutes straight and eventually got the finish in round three of that fight But Drowse was really good in that fight and uh, in in this fight before that is uh, his second UFC fight um, Against uh, James Bacinovich that was actually his debut He was able to double leg take down Bocinovich in that fight avoid all of uh, Bacinovich's subs off of uh, his back he was able to pass the guard and you know, pretty much just smash him with uh, ground and pound from then on. He had really good top pressure. Every time Bacinovich tried to get up to his feet, uh, Giles would slam him back down. And he eventually did get the ground and pound finish in the second round of that fight. Um, so he, Giles has looked good on, on the feet and he's looked good on, on the ground as well. You know, He's definitely got a good wrestling base. He's got good top pressure, good sub defense. And uh was really impressed with his boxing against uh, Braganetto in last fight. But, uh, you know, that guy was pretty much a zombie on the feet. He wasn't really throwing back too much. And I think that Zach Cummings is a much better MMA fighter than uh, Braganetto. So, uh, moving on to his opponent, Zach Cummings. He uh, moved up to 85 in his last fight. Um, that fight was against Trevor Smith. He did win that fight via decision. But, man, I thought Cummings looked pretty bad in that fight, man. He moved up to eighty five and he looked slow, he looked soft, he did not look very muscular. He had a lot of extra weight on him, it looked like and uh he, he, you know, wasn't moving his head well. He was getting hit with some punches. Uh you know, he does do a few things well. He has a nice leg kick. He has, you know, decent boxing fundamentals, but he like, he's just not quick anymore. You know he's it's hard to avoid the punches, uh, and it's he doesn't he throws telegraph punches because they're coming from a mile away. He was actually getting hit with a a good amount of shots from uh, Tre- Trevor Smith in that fight. Um, so that was you know pretty worrisome performance. Although he did get the win in that one, um, he you know he looked he he got he drops Smith with a punch in round three. You know that was the the best moment of the fight. So he did dig deep and have a big moment in round three. But, uh, you know, he still lost the position, like, right away. Like, he knocked him down, and then... He he lost the position. He you know uh, he was he let Smith get on top, and it happened again later in that fight. You know, uh, Cummings tried to take Smith back, and he slipped right off, and then Smith got on top. You know, so Cummings really couldn't control that fight. He did not have good killer instinct. You know, did not have much finishing ability. He looked slow. His takedowns looked telegraphed. I think that Giles is going to be way faster on the feet. He's going to be able to stuff the takedowns. Maybe even hit his own takedowns. Honestly. So I think that we could be looking at a uh, Trevin Giles finishing this one. If not, I expect him to uh, win the decision pretty decisively. Uh, probably 30-27, maybe even get a 10-8 round in there. So the pick is going to be Trevor Giles. Next fight is taking place in the light heavyweight division. We have Patrick Cummins, who is 10-6, taking on Ed Herman, who is 22 and 22-4. The opening betting line for this one was Cummins, minus minus two. 65 to ed herman at plus 185 right now over on five dimes we are seeing patrick cummins minus 255 to ed herman at plus 215 so not much line movement in this one There's probably two-way action coming in on this fight and honestly i'm gonna disagree with uh, where the line is at right now i think it's way too wide you know patrick cummins is you know, a very low-level fighter. He's looked pretty bad lately. Um, you know, he got out He was supposed to be a grappler. He was supposed to be a wrestler, you know. In his past two fights, he got, uh, you know, out-wrestled and tapped out by Misha Surkunov. Uh And he got, you know, just absolutely uh, wrestle-fucked by uh, Corey Anderson in the fight before that. So he had a really rough 2018 uh, he did pick up a couple wins in 2017 over uh, Blahovich and Volante, but I thought Volante won that fight, and I thought the Blahovich fight was a draw. So, you know, it's I thought both of those fights were scored incorrectly, so you could really say that Cummins hasn't had a really good win in uh, his past six fights. Uh, and in the fight before that, you know, he uh, against Cabalante, he was losing that fight, uh, the whole fight, and then he ended up getting the finish in round three. So you know, you know, Cummins has always started slow. He he's looked he looked bad against Anderson. Man, he looked before Anderson even looked landed a punch. Uh, Cummins looked slow. His shots were telegraphed. You could see his punches coming from a mile away. His striking is no good. He's super hittable on the feet. His face his face is really easily cut open you know he, every single fight comes leaves the octagon bruised battered bloodied all of it man and that makes it really easy for the judges to score you know when you see one guy if the fight's close and one guy's face is chewed up and all bloody you know you it, you know, might you might score the uh, the round for his opponent so um, you know, he, he, he leads with his head, you know, he, he, he's, he's constantly rushing forward, but his, his head is the first thing that's coming at you, you know, his, he's got no footwork, uh, Cummins striking has just always been really, really bad, uh, you know, he, uh, so, and even his wrestling nowadays, the last time he was able to wrestle successfully in his fight was against John Vellante, and Vellante was able to stuff a couple takedowns before, uh, Cummins got him, Volante Vellante stuffed the first three takedowns. And then he Cummins finally got Vellante down the fourth time, but he still couldn't keep him down. Uh, and that was, you know, uh, both those guys, you know, gassed out pretty hard in that fight. It was a sloppy, sloppy fight, just like all Cummins fights are. And you know, Herman had a pretty sloppy fight against Vellante, too. So it's not I'm not totally bashing Cummins here. You know, Herman is not nowhere near uh, a high level opponent either. He's actually pretty pretty low skilled at this point in his career. Pretty much only boxing is what Ed Herman is going to do. You know, he'll throw the occasional leg kick out there. But offensively, he does not He does not do anything really but box and leg kick. But, you know, the last fight against Vlante, I was sort of impressed with with Herman. You know, he looked pretty decent in that fight. You know, he was coming off a, a long layoff in that fight. Uh, you know, almost an 18-month layoff. And that was coming off of a loss to C.B. Dalway where he was, you know, just taken down relentlessly in that fight. Uh, he looked. He looked. Uh, didn't look too good in that fight. Uh, couldn't get off his back in the latter rounds, and uh, you know, lost the decision decisively. But he came back against Volante, and he looked competitive in that fight. His boxing looked decent. He, you know, ha- has good fundamentals. They're still there. His chin looked pretty good. Uh, you know, he was getting hit with some big shots, and he was not really uh, flinching at all. Uh, he was just kept coming forward. Um, so. I think that uh, Cummins has a chance to get the wrestling going. You know, both these guys are very old veterans at the end of their careers. So, uh, and Herman has not really shown good takedown defense. So, Cummins could get Herman down. But I honestly don't trust Cummins' athleticism at this point to get the takedown. You know, maybe he'll get him down in round one. But after, after that, man, I think Cummins is done cardio-wise. I don't think he has the cardio to wrestle three rounds. I think that the, the the rounds two and three will be contested on the feet, and I think that Herman will probably win those two rounds. Uh, he would just outbox him to a decision, uh, quite frankly. So, you know, this fight is, is pretty low-level. It's pretty unpredictable, but the way I see it going is, like I just described, Cummins getting the takedown in round one. Uh, you know, maybe edging round one to Cummins, and then round two, Herman stu- starts stuffing the takedowns and just, you know, outboxing Cummins to a uh, two-to-one decision. So, uh, that's going to be the pick. Uh, I think there's a little bit of value on uh, the dog here in Ed Herman, and I think that, uh, let's see what Herman by decision is. Uh, that could be a little bit of value, too. Herman by decision, plus 570, man, value all over that. So, even fight, fight goes to decision, minus 145. Honestly, I think that's pretty safe. You know, both of these guys are tough. Both of them have very little finishing ability. Uh, the fight goes to decision line is definitely value. At minus 145, yeah, I, I'm going to have to bet on that right after the podcast. But um, you got the pick for that one. We're moving on to the featherweight fight. Uh, we got Mike Trizzano 8-0, taking on Grant Dawson, who is and 13-1. The opening betting line for this one was Mike Trizzano as the minus 135 favorite to Grant Dawson at minus 105. Right now we are seeing over on Five Dimes, Grant Dawson is the underdog at plus 110 to Trizzano as the favorite at minus 130. So more action coming in Trizzano's way. There's definitely two-way action coming on this fight. It's a really close fight. Personally, I think it's my favorite fight on the card. I think we're in for a treat in the grappling aspect of things. I think both of these guys have very solid ground games. Uh, Trizano has a really good defensive ground game, and Dawson has a really good offensive ground game. So I think that this one will be mostly contested, uh, in uh, in you know the grappling aspect of things. Although you know I, I expected there to be portions on the feet as well. So um, starting things off with Trizano, he will be dropping down to featherweight for this fight uh you know he's a former lightweight he won the ultimate fighter at lightweight um and but his opponent uh who he beat in the finale uh, let's see he beat Giannetti who who didn't get signed to the UFC somehow that's a real real disservice man Joe Giannetti is a you know good fighter and good guy he's real cool dude on Twitter and you know he just the UFC didn't sign him although he he was a good fighter and had a close competitive fight with Trezano in the finale um But Trezano, he trains at Tiger Showmans with, you know, Julio Arce, with Shane Burgos, with Jimmy Rivera, with a lot of high-level UFC talent. So, he's got really good training partners. Interesting that he chooses to drop down to Featherweight, though, with two of the three guys who I just mentioned being at Featherweight. Julio Arce and Shane Burgos, two of his good friends and training partners, are in the division. So, that's kind of interesting. Um, But regardless... um, Trezano picked up the win against Payne uh, and against Giannetti, both split decisions. I thought, uh, you know... They weren't really split decisions. I thought Trezano won both of those fights. Um, you know, he he did show a little bit of weakness in those fights. Though he was taken down by Pena and by Gianetti. He did do a good job. You know, getting back to his feet and reversing the position, and you know, maybe hitting an offensive takedown of his own uh, on both uh, both gentlemen. I think he he was taken down, and he took down both of his uh, both of those opponents. Who I just mentioned. You know, you'll hear people talk shit on Trezano saying that he got taken down by John Gunther and he got controlled by John Gunther. Man, that is so overstated. You know, John Gunther did take Trezano down, but he really just held on to Trezano for a minute, maybe 90 seconds at most, didn't pass guard, didn't really land any solid ground and pound, and then Trezano got back up to his feet. So Every time that Gunther tried advancing position, he left enough space for Trezano to get back to his feet. And that's what the same thing Giannetti did, same thing with Pena. You know, Trezano's got a real good get-up game, a real, like I said, real solid defensive grappling. And I think that his striking will be much better than Grant Dawson's in this matchup. I think that Trezano has a real good inside leg kick. You know, he, he was firing that thing from the jump against Pena. He landed 15, 20 solid inside leg kicks in that fight, just going to the well with it. Um... And he, uh, Trezano's also got some solid boxing too. You know, he was counter punching real nice against Pena. You know, Pena was throwing those big, uh, you know, overextended shots and Trezano was you know slipping and countering really well in that fight Uh, Trezano put on a really good performance against uh, Pena who was you know overhyped himself but regardless it was still a good win Um, you know now getting over to Grant Dawson um, you know the way I was talking I you can probably tell that I am favoring uh, Trezano a little bit but uh, Grant Dawson is a legitimate fighter and has a, a real solid chance to win this fight Grant Dawson is, you know, he's going to be looking for takedowns out here. He has a real vast array of takedowns. He has good chain wrestling. He's, he, He'll, you know, attack. Uh, that's the biggest thing with wrestling, you know. you Guys can have good takedowns. They can be good wrestlers, but can they chain them together? Because, you know, everyone's got takedown defense nowadays. You're not going to get a guy down with a double leg as easily as you were anymore. You got to hit that double leg, then transition to a single, then go to that outside trip. And Grant Dawson does that really, really well. And his ground game, once he gets on the ground, is pretty solid, too. He's got good ground and pound. Um, He's always looking for, you know, submissions. But, you know, the one thing he's not looking for is his top position is – Uh, You know, keeping his opponent down, I think that that, that's actually a pretty big weakness for him. He expands a lot of energy getting those takedowns and chaining together that wrestling. But once he gets his opponents down, he gets a little excited. He looks for that big ground-and-pound shot. He looks to submit his opponents. But he loses position sometimes. And you saw that in the Julian Arosa fight. Julian Arosa is a a low-level opponent, uh, also on this card facing Julio Arce and uh Arosa was able to get back to his feet uh five times in that fight you know and then dawson looked like he was feeling it in round three um he uh he looked a little tired in round three of that fight and uh he let Arosa hit him with some some punches all throughout that fight and the is you know not, like i said not that good of an opponent so you know even though he did win that fight uh 30 27 in my opinion grant dawson did he showed a lot of weaknesses in that fight. I think he actually showed more weaknesses than strengths in that fight. I thought that uh, you know Grant Dawson his previous uh, wins looked a lot better than that the, the win over um, Julian Arosa. You know he he has had some the only loss of his career actually came by you know elbows to the back of the head uh, while he was you know getting uh, going for that takedown. But his his previous wins uh, have looked really good. This Tuesday night Contender Series win was good, uh, and. Um, you know, it's a, it's a shame he didn't really get the, to show all of his skills in that Erosa fight, but so getting down to how this matchup will, will play out, I think it's going to be really, really close. I think that uh, Dawson will get Trezano down to the mat, but I think Trezano's going to get up. I think that it's going to come down to who's going to have the better cardio and who can dig deep in round three. I see Dawson probably getting maybe two, three takedowns in round one. That being enough for him to get the, the round one in the judges' scorecards. I see Trezano starting to stuff the more takedowns downs and land more punches in round two and I think that Trezano will win round two now round three like I said both guys are gonna have to dig deep into that gas tank and I think that Trezano has the better gas tank I think that the f- round three will be more contested on the feet and I think that Trezano will be outstriking uh, Grant Dawson in round three, and he will probably win this decision, 29-28. Uh, probably a split decision for either type of guy. It's going to be close, man. It really depends on on how well Trezano can bounce back up from those takedowns, because I think that Dawson will get Trezano down. It's just a matter of uh, maybe Grant, if Grant Dawson can, will focus more on top position this fight and try to keep Trizano down, and you know, uh, you know, just. Instead of chasing that ground and pound, instead of chasing that submission, just, you know, staying solid uh, on top and, you know, just getting whatever opportunity comes to you, whether it's ground and pound or submission, I think that Dawson will win the fight if he focuses on top position. But if he gets overzealous and looks for that ground and pound, looks for those submission over position, then I think that he'll leave enough space for Trezano to get up, and that'll be enough for Trezano to win some striking exchanges and win the fight on the scorecard. So... I think this fight will go to the decision. Uh, you know, probably seven seven times out of ten, if they fought. I really don't. Maybe uh, uh, you know trezano knocks him out one of the times. Maybe uh, a couple of the guys submit each other uh, one of the times. But I think this fight will go to the scorecard. So the the fight goes the distance. Prop uh, seems to be a, the play on this one. If you're having trouble picking a side. Um, so the next fight is in the welterweight division. We got Michel Pereira taking on Danny Roberts. Uh Pereira is twenty two and nine. Danny Roberts is sixteen and four. The opening betting line for this one was Danny Roberts, the minus two ten favorite to Pereira at plus one sixty. Right now we are seeing over on Five Dimes Roberts minus two fifty five to Pereira at plus two fifteen. So, Michelle Pereira making his UFC debut in this one. You might know him from that viral uh, YouTube video. Uh, I forget, let me figure out what this this video was called. It was so ridiculous. Um, he, he's he's you know doing he's fighting a, a chubby Asian guy. Um, you know this guy it's a, a 5 foot 8 Asian guy versus a 6 foot 2 a, you know huge Brazilian guy it's just like a freak show fight you know it's an open weight fight the, the guys you know they didn't have a weight limit that's so rare nowadays and you see Pereira in that fight you know back flipping off the cage and doing all these crazy techniques that really aren't even like uh MMA techniques you know this dude is just straight up thinking of his own shit out there so he uh you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I'm pretty sure that that clip was the one that got him signed. You know, it is his most recent fight. Um, you know, it's it, it had to have played into the UFC's uh, d- signing of this guy. Uh, the video is called MMA Thug Life Craziest Moves in the World. It's got 6 million views on YouTube. And there is no doubt that that is why Michel Pereira got signed to the UFC. Now he's a you know a freak of an athlete I'm, i'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be here because i think that there are a lot lower level guys in the roster but he's definitely on the lower spectrum of the roster He's you know pretty much just a, a power striker. He doesn't really have much uh, besides that. He's you know really explosive, and he's got he's got good knees. It looks like he's got a, a good understanding of muay thai. He can he he'll tie you up in the clinch and just you know slam you, smash you with knees to the chest and to the face. That's actually how he really won that last fight uh, against um, the Korean gentleman who I'm forgetting forgetting his name. Let's see. Uh, Dae Sung Kim. That's how he eventually finished him with knees. Uh, But, you know, Pereira has shown his weaknesses. You know, he fought a guy named Dusko Todorovic, who was much smaller than him. And this was only six months ago. This was... uh, december 1st 2018 and uh, dusko was able to knock Pereira out in that fight and Pereira looked looked weak in that fight you know it didn't look, he didn't show us necessarily a bad chin it looked like he just got hit with some punches and he, and he looked like he wanted out of there you know it looked like he didn't he he knew the fight wasn't going his way he got hit with a, a shot or two and he he covered up and he he quit in that one so you know, uh, when the, when the uh, fight starts going bad for Pereira, look for him to look for a way out. Now, he's facing Danny Roberts in this fight, who is, you know, one of the lowest IQ fighters on the roster. You know, um, I was I was on Roberts in his last fight. You know, it was such a winnable fight for him. I had the, the game plan, you know, mapped out to a T. But he just couldn't execute anything. You know, he had Claudio Silva hurt and out of there three separate times in that fight. But this idiot chose to go to the ground with one of the best jiu-jitsu guys, you know, on the roster. It was just such a bonehead move just over and over and again by Roberts in that fight. He made so many mistakes in that fight. And then it eventually ended with that controversial submission You know, it it would just what an awful, awful performance by us by Roberts in that fight. The fact that he lost to that bum, Claudio Silva. You know, Claudio Silva is a great grappler, he's great great at submissions. But in terms of an MMA fighter, he's god awful. You know, he has no striking, no wrestling, just desperately looks for a submission. And Roberts gave it to him in that fight. Now, Roberts is a good, good striker. He's got he's a former pro boxer, he's got really good uh, power in his hands but uh and he also has you know decent submissions off his back he has a, he put off a triangle on Nathan Coy one time but he's like I said just makes low level low level uh low IQ level decisions in all of his fights man so I fully expect him to go out here striking with Pereira I think that he has a great chance of getting clipped honestly you know I think that Pereira uh, could win by knockout in round one or that's it you know but he has a good chance. I honestly think that round one is 50-50. I think that Pereira has a great chance at hitting that chin of Roberts and you know knocking him out in round one, but if it goes past round one, I heavily favor Roberts. I think that Pereira will start looking for a, round, a way out in round two or three, and Roberts will get the finish in rounds two or three, but Pereira's going to be dangerous in that first round, and I think the Pereira money line, 215, that has some value. I think Pereira's TKO line, Pereira round one, you know, all that has value. So I'm honestly going to go with picking Pereira in this one. Maybe it's just because I'm so frustrated with Robertson about his last fight. Um, that I'm picking him to lose this one but I honestly think the Pereira has a good chance of touching that chin of Roberts. Roberts just fights so dumb. He fights to the level of his opponents and he's gonna you know probably engage recklessly on the feet in, in, in round one and get uh, get knocked out so the pick is going to be Pereira to pull off the upset. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We got Desmond Green who is 22 and 22-8 taking on Charles Jourdain who is nine and 9-1. The opening betting line for this one was Des Green at minus 260 to Jordan Dane at plus 180. Right now, over on Five Dimes, we are seeing Des Green minus 650 to Charles Jordan at plus 475. So, uh, I'm going to agree with the line movement in this one. I think that where that opener was set was way too low for Green. I think D- Green deserves to be, uh, I wouldn't say minus 650, I would say he deserves to be Yeah, I guess you could say minus 650, sure. Um, You know, Charles Jourdain looks like a very skilled fighter. He uh, is coming over from the TKO promotion in Canada, a very legitimate promotion with some good talent over there. Um, But Jourdain does his best work at featherweight, and this fight is at lightweight. And, uh, you know, although Desmond Green isn't the biggest lightweight in the world, I think that um, this this matchup is just going to be a nightmare for Jourdain. Um, I'll get into Jourdain first. He um, has good striking you know he's got good leg kicks uh, good boxing and power he's you know knock people out uh, He can fight from both stances uh, he you know he has flashy finishes he drop drops his opponents with spitting back fists and you know finish them off with a, a guillotine. Um, but you know he he just had he has a clear clear weakness and that is uh, getting taken down and held down. He um, got you know his his uh, his loss against uh, Laramie. Uh, he was taken down for you know pretty much all five rounds of that fight. Um, you know he that's uh, I think that's one of his his only loss uh, if I'm correct is to um, T J Laramie. Yeah, and that was in December of two thousand seventeen. Just all five rounds was just taken down, uh, spending time off his back. Couldn't, couldn't get up. Couldn't stuff a takedown. Looked like he didn't have much wrestling at all. And you know that's just that's where the nightmare sets in for this matchup because he's taking on Dez Green, who is I think an All-American wrestler. He's got real solid wrestling, uh, good timing, good blast double leg takedown. Uh, he's also got some pretty solid striking as well. So. The closest aspect of this fight should be on, on the feet. You know, uh, Green isn't the, the greatest striker. He's a little low volume. He has been outstruck in the past by, uh, most recently, Maribak Tysimov. Um, but he's he's got a s- solid boxing. He's got a nice left hand. He's got some good leg kicks. Um, but you know, it's just he mixes up the takedowns really really well. And you saw that most recently against Ross Pearson. You know, he was touching Ross Pearson on the feet, and then he blasted that double leg, and he didn't mess around at all. He just went straight to the ground and pounded and he knocked. Uh, b- ross pearson out with some ground and pound against the cage you're just right off the takedown you know it was a really aggressive finish something we haven't seen from desmond green really too much in, in the octagon i think that was his first finish in the ufc so um desmond green or er, he definitely turned it up last fight and uh you know jordane has a chance at ca- clipping uh desmond green on the feet that's you know a very small chance and that uh, his tko line at plus at plus thirteen sixty five is definitely a, a good value stab for this fight but Honestly, nine times out of ten, I think that Desmond Green gets the takedown. Uh, I think that he uh, is able to either, you know, uh, get the ground and pound uh, and finish Jordan like he did Ross Pearson. Maybe snatch a submission up or uh, possibly just ride out a decision, you know, a decisive decision. Because Jordan really can't get off his back. I have not seen him uh, get off his back, uh, you know, really at all. and I, I, it's a shame that cuz i was i was impressed with jordan on uh, in the T, his tko fights i was really enjoying them man that fight against uh Damian, or no it's a uh is it whatever one he hit the guillotine alex morgan that's it he uh hit a spinning backfist and he guillotined this guy which is such an impressive finish man i want to see this guy at featherweight so i don't know if this was a you know i think this was maybe a short notice fill-in fight for Jourdain. he's coming in you know got the opportunity to come into the ufc and he took the opportunity but uh, i hope he drops down to uh featherweight and has a good career but i think he's going to be taking the loss in this one uh, probably by decisive decision, uh, 30-27 for Desmond Green. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Aspen Ladd, who is undefeated at 7-0, taking on Sejara Eubanks, who is and 4-2. The opening betting line for this one was Aspen Ladd as the minus 305 favorite to Eubanks at plus 225. Right now, over on Five Dimes, we are seeing... Aspen Lab minus three hundred ten to Sejar Eubanks at plus two hundred fifty five. Now, when I initially saw this line for the first time, I thought it was a little wide. I thought that Sajar Eubanks has looked uh, pretty good lately, although Aspen Latin has as well. But then, looking at the records, I realized that they fought before, and it wasn't even that long ago. Um, this is uh, a rematch that took place in uh, Invicta FC, uh, the women's uh, only promotion. And that fight was only in 2017. It was January fourteenth, two 2017. So, a little over two years since that fight happened and uh you know we'll we'll talk about uh we'll summarize the first fight before we talk about how this matchup um you know plays out and how we think that uh who i think has improved more so the first fight um it was uh labs landing the butter better punches on the feet she was pressuring eubanks but uh, eubanks was landing the better kicks you know she wasn't eubanks didn't look like she had a good t- understanding of boxing yet but uh, her kicks were on point um so uh, Eubanks was you know, looking for the takedown, um, and uh, Aspen Ladd was able to stuff one takedown, but Eubanks uh, was able to get her down at the sec- on the second takedown uh, at the end of the round one. But uh, Ladd got back to her feet, and I still gave Aspen Ladd the first round. She was landing the better punches. She was throwing in combinations, while uh, Eubanks was only throwing in single shots, and, um, you know, Aspen Ladd, uh, her takedown defense stood up for the most part. I didn't really think that Eubanks was able to do much with her takedowns. Um, actually, the uh, Ladd was the one landing the takedowns and doing uh, the, the, the better top control. And Ladd got a body lock takedown in round three of that fight. It was competitive on the ground, though. You know, Sajara reversed the position. She, she ended up, uh, you know, on top in that fight. And it was, it was definitely a close fight. But I, I gave the fight to, to Aspen Ladd. She did win the decision. It was, you know, pretty, I think, clearly uh, a decision for Aspen Ladd. Um, but, you know, since then, I think that Sajara Eubanks has has looked like the better fighter. Um, you know, uh, although, and she's improved more. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I think Aspen Ladd uh, looked good in her two wins uh, in the UFC so far against Lena Landsberg and against Tonya Evinger. But... You know, two low-level opponents, you know, uh, Evinger, a veteran, Landsberg, uh, you know, uh, just a lower-level opponent. And Aspen struggled in round one versus Lena Landsberg. You know, Lena Landsberg might have stole round one from Aspen Ladd, honestly. Uh, it was a c- competitive clinch battle. You know, Landsberg, is a, I believe her background is in Muay Thai, so Ladd was having some trouble in the clinch with Landsberg. She wasn't able to get the takedown. Um, and, you know, Lansberg was landing some good knees in the clinch with Ladd. Ladd looked pretty, you know, pretty uncomfortable in that Muay Thai clinch. But eventually in round two, Aspen Ladd was able to get the takedown with a double leg and, uh, just, you know, used that shoulder presser to, uh, pass over into full mount and then just smashed, um, Lansberg with that ground and pound from quarter guard. She was, you know, just stayed on top and just pounded her out. And that's pretty, pretty much how the fight went with Evinger too, you know, um lad didn't look too comfortable on the feet you know evinger was landing uh, a few punches on the feet and then um there was you know a little bit of a a a stall against the cage they were kind of grinding each other uh, out against the cage and it looked like evinger went for a takedown or something but but it just totally failed lad ended up on top um she took the back of evinger and then was able to just again ground and pound tko uh evinger from from the uh back mount uh, but you know and she does this thing where she screams as she's you know throwing ground and pound and like doing like these emotional primal screams it's it's really weird and uh uncomfortable to watch um uh, so, moving on to Sajara Eubanks. She's moving uh, back up to 135 in this fight. She's fought at 135 before. The first fight was at 135, but Sajara tried moving down to 25. Um, since then, um, you know she was on the Ultimate Fighter at 25. She failed to make way for the title fight. Um, she fought Lauren Murphy at 25, got the decision there. Fought uh, Matafari at 25 and got the decision there. She looked much more aggressive in the um, the monafari fight. She looked like her boxing had improved. She was throwing combinations. She was marching forward and being aggressive. Um, the one thing... Uh, sajar does not do too well it Is you know chain together takedowns too well what she'll do is she'll she'll shoot in for a takedown and she'll get you up against the cage and she'll hold on to your legs for 30 seconds 45 seconds and then she'll transition to a single leg or something like that you know it's not like you know, you watch, you know, high-level male wrestlers, they'll hit that, they'll, they'll shoot a double and they'll transition within a second or two, you know, and then that's how they hit the takedown. Uh, you know, nobody does that better than uh, Henry Cejudo, the gold, uh, gold medal Olympic champion, who is the, also the flyweight champion. You know, he, he did that against Demetrius Johnson, you know, pretty much better than anyone we've ever seen do in the UFC, and, uh, you know, Eubanks just doesn't do that at all. She she is really slow with transitioning in between takedowns. She would put push Matafari up against the fence and then wait and wait and wait and wait and then go to a single leg. And that allowed Roxanne Matafari to be competitive in the grappling exchanges. She was using judo throws to counter the takedowns. And she actually got Eubanks on her back at the end of round two. And Eubanks couldn't get up she tried yeah Kamura sweeping uh, Roxanne but Roxanne was able to stay on top and you know Eubanks struggled with the top pressure of Matafari so if Lad is able to get on top in this fight I I see it being a problem you know I I uh, I think that Lad's ground and pound makes it very difficult for you to uh you know use the jiu uh and to try to escape the position uh, when you're getting smashed with that that violent ground and pound of Aspen Lad. so I think that this fight will be even more competitive than the first fight I think Eubanks has improved more than Ladd has uh, she's been more active she's fought a lot more a lot better competition since the first fight I think Eubanks in boxing has improved I think it'll be closer on the feet I think that Eubanks will be throwing back in combination she will be trying to be more aggressive in this fight she's not going to be moving back like she was in the first fight she was not going to be you know willingly putting her back to the cage and letting uh, aspen lad land the more uh, you know better shots on the feet so if Aspen Lad is, is is chases the uh, the offensive grappling in this fight, if she looks to to get the takedown and to get the top position, I think that Ladd will win this fight. I think that she has a good chance of finishing with the ground and pound as well. You know, like like her past couple of fights, but I think it'll be competitive. I think Lad will probably just end up on top in the the scrambles. I think that uh, Lad will you know just dictate dictate the fu- the pace of the fight. She will be on top throughout more of the rounds. Uh, I think, it, it, but if it's on the feet, you know, I expect it to be competitive. I think that uh, the more it's, it spends on the feet, I think the closer the fight will be. I think that uh, Eubanks has the, the, might even have the better striking uh, between the two at this point in their career, despite Ladd having the better striking the first time they met. So we've seen some rematches lately you know Maurice Green versus Jeff Hughes comes to mind where uh, uh, Jeff Hughes was able to uh, decision uh, Maurice Green the first time they fought and then only a year later they fought again and Maurice Green got the better of them that time so it's certainly possible for for Sajara Eubanks to pull off this upset and where the the line is at right now I think that the value is on Sajar Eubanks maybe Sajara Eubanks by decision as well being value I don't think you can lay that chalk at minus 310 on Aspen Ladd uh, you know where she's at in her career at this point especially with the competition that she's faced so uh i'm actually gonna lean Sajara eubanks's way man i just think that um I think that she, she she wants it more. I think that she's improved more. I think that uh, the boxing will be closer. I'm actually going to give the striking advantage to Eubanks at this point in her career. And I think that, the you know, Sajara is going to be ready for the takedown. I think she's going to be ready to reverse position if she does get taken down, bounce back up to her feet, maybe even hit her own takedown. So I'm going to actually lean with Sajara Eubanks in this fight to to pull off the, vi- the victory as the plus 255 under, underdog. Moving on to the first fight on the main card of the evening. The main card kicks off on ESPN plus at eight PM Eastern Time for this one. We we are starting things off in the lightweight division with Austin Hubbard, who is ten and two, taking on Davi Hamos, who is nine and two. The opening betting line for this one was Davi Hamos as the favorite at minus 230 to Austin Hubbard at plus 170 right now over on five dimes we are seeing Davi Hamos minus 470 to Austin Hubbard at plus 375 interesting line movement in this one I thought it would honestly be more line movement in the way of Davy Hamos you know Davi Hamos was a minus 1,000 favorite in his last fight against uh John Gunther who actually has a decent wrestling background now it was everyone knew that it was nowhere near good enough to compete with Davy Hamos and his you know jujitsu uh was nowhere near good enough and that's you know exactly how that fight went with Davi Hamos submitting him in two minutes time and the opponent that uh Hamos is fighting this time, and Austin Hubbard does not look much better on the ground, honestly, than, um, John Gunther did, uh, now, Austin Hubbard will be making his UFC debut in this one, and he's not looked, uh, like a total can, honestly, he, he's looked like he's had some decent skills on the feet, he's, you know, definitely picked up some nice knockouts, uh, you know, his last fight was a brutal, brutal knockout from, from LFA, um, That was uh, against uh, Achilles Mota, uh, but the fight before that is the one that really worries me, Uh, and his decision loss to Eric Wisely. Eric Wisely, that fight was on uh, October 7, 2017, only 18 months ago, and he was taken down in all five rounds of that fight and held down in all five rounds of that fight. Could barely get back to his feet, did not have much takedown defense did not have much defensive jujitsu, didn't have any sweeps or any way to get back to his feet and he was just completely dominated bell to bell in that fight by eric wisely uh, with grappling and even in the harvey park fight you know he he had his back taken by harvey park and he you know he almost got rear naked choked in that fight now he did do a good job defending the, re- the rear naked choke um but you know the difference between all harvey park and Davi Hamosh's uh, jiu-jitsu is is absolutely, you know, catastrophic. I throw around the term, you know, best jiu-jitsu guy on the roster a lot. I, honestly, I do. It's pretty much any Brazilian with a black belt, I probably call them one of the best uh, jiu-jitsu guys on the roster. But Davi Hamos might be, you know, the best jiu-jitsu guy on the roster. He, you know, I throw around the world champion jiu-jitsu black belt. I throw around that term a lot, you know. But Hamos won ADCC as a black belt in 2015. ADCC is, you know, the most prestigious no-gi grappling in the world. Uh, You know, world competition. People from all over the world fly to Abu Dhabi to compete in that. And Davi Hamos won it only four years ago as a black belt. Uh, I think it was at what, something like, uh, seven, some, I don't even know what, how many kilos, maybe 170 kilo or uh, 170 pounds. They, they do thing, they do things in, in kilos over there. So I, I'll have to do the conversions too. Um, I'm pretty sure it was at 76 kilograms. I'm just making shit up at this point, 77 kilograms, 77 times 2.2, 2, 170 pounds. So he won gold grappling with 170 pounders and now he's fighting at 155 pounds in the ufc the only uh i think the only loss in uh, that Hamos has suffered in the ufc was a short notice fight to uh sergio marias who is a welterweight uh, another uh, he was evenly matched in the terms of the Jitsu in that one uh, marias another uh you know excellent excellent black belt from brazil as well so uh and he was you know out outmatched in that one in size he didn't he was a short notice fight and it was you know he was just making his way into the roster in that one so he took the loss in that one but since then has dropped down the lightweight and he's picked up three rear, rear naked chokes since then over Gritzmacher, Hine, and Gunther—pretty decent competition. Nick Hine being a, an, a very good grappler of his own right. So Davy Hamos is just really good in the U- UFC so far. He's you know really powerful on the feet. He throws a lot of overhands and a lot of big kicks to close the distance. He's not—he throws a lot of kicks because he's not worrying about being taken down at all. You know, the take the the counter to a kick is you know catching it or you know trying to take somebody down off of it. But you Hamos would would welcome you to do that. So. Austin Hubbard, uh, you know he he's probably ready for the UFC. He looks like a decent fighter. It's just he he bit off more than he can chew in this debut. Uh, you know they gave him Hamos. they fed him to the wolves in his in his debut. Uh, he's he's gonna get taken down. He's gonna get tacked out pretty shortly in this fight. And honestly, uh, Davia Hamos at minus four seventy. There's still some value at minus four seventy. You know we're seeing some 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 people uh, green at minus six fifty. Luke minus seven hundred. So Hamos Hamos isn't even the, the biggest favorite on the card, and I think that he deserves to be. Um, so the pick going to be Hamos by submission in round one. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We got Charles Oliveira, who is 26 and 26-8, taking on Nick Lentz, who is 39-2 the opening betting line for this one was Charles Oliveira as the minus 305 favorite to Nick Lentz at plus 225 right now we are seeing Oliveira minus 355 to Nick Lentz at plus 295 so even more action coming in on the favorite Oliveira now this is a trilogy fight the third time these gentlemen have fought in the UFC nonetheless too <clears throat> and the last time they fought, Oliveira won by submission in the third round, to which John Anik said, uh, Oliveira ends the rivalry here tonight. And Lord would he know that there is a third fight taking place for some reason um, this Saturday night. Now, I guess the two gentlemen are pretty you know, evenly matched in the ranking aspect of things um but you know i just think that there's no reason for this rematch at all you know both fights were won by charles Oliveira. although the first one did have a little controversy around it because Oliveira landed in the legal knee uh, to a downed opponent that you know definitely changed the course of that fight um so there's a little you know stigma behind the first the first fight and despite it being an official submission for Oliveira, but you know where they're at in this point in their career. Um, you know, I think it is. It, it will be. This will be the closest fight uh, of them all. Honestly, I think that um, <clears throat> both of these guys are are, are you know ex, you know experienced veterans at this point. I think they're both kind of on on the outs of their athletic careers. I think that their their best years are both behind them. Um, you know they're 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 pretty uh, similar fighters to one another. Honestly, I think that uh, Oliveira has uh, you know wicked jiu jitsu. You know some of the best submissions in the UFC. Best submissions. I didn't say best jiu jitsu guy. I said best submissions. Okay, don't 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 be coming at me uh, for reiterating myself constantly. But uh, Oliveira. Uh, Has like, you know, I think 13-14 submissions the most submissions out of any guy in the UFC Uh, You know two of them coming over uh, Nick Lentz already, so I think he he he'll probably add a third one to this to the list tonight Although Nick Lentz is dangerous, you know, he's got good wrestling Um, His striking has got a lot better. He's got a real dangerous guillotine that he can hit um, from from all over the place uh, you know, he, his last fight was a real grinding type of fight against Holtzman a lot of takedowns in that fight, but you know, he was getting lit up with punches on the feet in that fight by Holtzman. You know, Holtzman clearly outstruck Lentz in that fight and Lance was dragging at the end of that fight. He was really, really dragging at the end of that fight. He was tired and, you know, just desperately grabbing for a takedown and eating punches. He took a lot of damage in that fight, but he still won on the scorecards. Um, and Oliveira in his last fight overcame some big adversity as well. You know was eye poked was viciously eye gouged You know right when that fight started Now I've personally accused Oliveira of you know, maybe being a quitter at some point sometimes when the fights not going his way When he, the submissions aren't there. He kind of looks for a way out. He flops to his back or you know, um all different types of ways that he looks out for fights but he did certainly did not look out for a way out in that fight he got eye gouged early he took the time to recover and he came out swinging in that one and he you know had a real competitive round one back and forth um, he did get dropped by a left hand in that fight by uh, by Damon Tamer he was rushing forward way too recklessly with his hands down. Urging Tamer to come on and then he got dropped with the left hand pretty funny sequence of events But in round two of that fight he landed, uh, you know a nasty knee uh, And I think in uh, an elbow that hurt uh, David Tamer really bad and he was able to um, Swarm uh, Tamer with some punches and eventually snatch up the anaconda choke in that one so Olivera's striking is still dangerous man he still got really good uh oh it was it was a step in upwards elbow like the type of uh the type that Donald Cerrone and Yair Rodriguez like to throw um you know so really wicked uh strike that Olivera landed there rocked uh, t- tamer with the elbow and then snatched that anaconda for you know a beautiful finish after some really nasty adversity with getting an eye poked like that so I expect this one to be commit uh to be competitive I still think Oliveira will be a step ahead. You know, I think that um, you know he. It's just Oliveira has his number in the grappling department. He knows that he can tap Lentz out. He has done it twice before, and I think that he will uh, do it a third time uh, in this fight. And I think that uh, Oliveira will be the better striker. I think that he has a chance at hurting uh, Lentz on the feet, maybe even getting a TKO victory. I don't think this one will go to the scorecards. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, Lance has a chance to win. He does have a slight chance to win. I think it'll have to be by, you know, getting his uh, guillotine of his own or possibly hurting Oliveira with a, a strike on the feet and finishing him that way. But I don't think this one will go to the scorecards. Um, neither of the first fights have gone to the scorecards. They've both been pretty high-intensity back-and-forth fights. So I'm expecting a good competitive fight in this one. But I think that Oliveira will get his hand raised uh, via submission. The next fight is in the women's featherweight division. We got Megan Anderson, who is eight and three, taking on Felicia Spencer, who is undefeated at six and zero. Oh. The opening betting line for this one was Megan Anderson as the favorite at minus one sixty five to Felicia Spencer at plus one twenty five right now over on five five nines we are seeing megan anderson minus 175 to felicia spencer at plus 155 so if you're looking at it now the line doesn't seem to have moved much but i can tell you that's not the case early money came in all over felicia spencer and uh megan anderson was a, a dog for a, a good point actually she was plus 115 at one at one moment uh earlier this week so i'm gonna say congratulations to anybody who got megan anderson as an underdog in this one i think that uh megan anderson uh will win this fight i think she should be the favorite uh i think that uh you know spencer has just looked a little uh you know hasn't looked too impressive you know spencer she she's a black belt in jiu jitsu, black belt in taekwondo so she's got good ground game and some good crazy kicks but you know her wrestling has not really impressed me. She's not looked that dominant on the ground. She fought a uh, Kolin- Kolinski, uh, a Ukrainian woman. She was able to take her down and take her back, but she was she you know Kolinski was able to defend the rear naked choke for a minute or two. Um, she eventually got uh, Kolinsky down and got the rear naked choke in round two, but she, she, you know, it took it took Spencer a good amount of time to submit uh, Kolinsky in that fight, and Kolinsky did not look like she had much uh, grappling uh, knowledge at all, just from the, the way of way of I saw things. Now um, she uh, she took uh, Pam Sorensen down, I think that was her name, um, with some outside trips. She had you know again four minutes of back control in round one of that fight. But could not get the choke, so uh, you know it's it's not like if Spencer gets this fight to the ground. It's end all be all um, because that's where Spencer's going to be looking to take this fight definitely, definitely. Um, she you know she just really just takes the back and just holds you there and hits you with some ground and pound. But uh, even when she's looking for the takedown, she can be sloppy. She can be desperate. She she can be, her striking is super sloppy. She's hittable on the feet. She's got bad footwork. You know she's not really uh, too high level of an opponent. Honestly, I've been really unimpressed with Spencer. Actually, a fun fact I read on uh, on sure Dog that all of her wins, all six of her uh, the women she has defeated, have not fought since they she fought Felicia Spencer. So I don't know what that says. I mean it's. You know, maybe that they were on the outs of their career, and they didn't—they weren't even, you know, worthy opponents anyway. But, you know, I, I really have not seen anything impressive from Felicia Spencer. Anything impressive? Megan Anderson is not a world beater or anything like that. But I've, you know, I've definitely seen a lot more positive uh, with her. You know, she's got really good striking, some really powerful uh, uh, kicks. She you know finished casting Zingano with that kick to the eye in the last fight although it was a weird circumstance it was a legal strike she threw a kick and her toe went in Zingano's eye and that's how the fight ended but uh you know uh she's got she's got some solid boxing she uh you know throws throws with some ill intent you know she throws in combos sometimes and you know her defense definitely suffers you know she like she gets sloppy and she was getting tagged with some counter punches versus uh charmaine tweet when they fought but you know, Spencer has no boxing. She's not going to be counterpunching shit. Uh, and Megan Anderson's going to have a, a solid six inches of reach, or excuse me, a six inches of height and reach advantage too. You know, she's uh, Megan Anderson is going to tower over Felicia Spencer. Now, the one area where this fight gets interesting is that Anderson's takedown defense and her ground game sucks. Quite frankly, it sucks. You know, uh, Holly Holm, uh, a lifetime striker boxer kickboxer, was able to completely outgrapple Anderson easily. You know, H- H- Holly Holm was like, why, why even make a competitive fight on the feet with this girl? If I have way better takedowns, way better top control, and Holly Holm was looking like Khabib Nurmagomedov out there versus Megan Anderson she was taking her down with, you know, body locks, with single legs, with double legs. You know, Anderson has just got a big, long, lanky frame and it just doesn't look like her frame is built to wrestle at all, you know. She did look like she didn't have much balance. It looked like she didn't have much sprawl, you know. She she did not look like she had spent too much time wrestling at all. Now, that fight was a while ago. I think it was at UFC 225, so it was, you know, almost a year ago. She was fighting Kat Zingano, who was going to, uh, you know, really relentlessly wrestler who is definitely going to try and take her down. And now she's fighting another grappler in Spencer. So I got to trust that for the past 11 months Anderson's been training her takedown defense non-stop. You know, I don't expect that to be the case, but I expect her to have improved it a little bit. And I'm just... Um, unimpressed enough with spencer that i don't think that she'll be able to get the takedowns in this fight i think that anderson will be able to keep it standing and i think that she will be able to land the harder cleaner strikes all fight for however long it lasts i honestly think that anderson has a good chance at finishing felicia spencer on the feet with some punches and some kicks in this fight so uh, i think that uh, spencer will be looking for the takedown I, I don't think that she'll get anderson down if she does get her down around uh, round one I, I don't see spencer finishing it I see, you know, Anderson being able to stuff the takedowns rounds two or three, and you know, eventually outstrike Spencer. But you know, there's a slight chance Spencer gets the takedown in all three rounds, and you know, wins a decision, um, or possibly gets a submission in this one. But I really don't see that that having a too good of a chance at happening. I honestly think that Spencer maybe has a twenty percent at winning a a decision, a ten percent at getting a submission. And then uh, maybe Anderson has a good 30% at getting uh, a decision. And then Anderson has, I'd say, a 40% chance of getting a finish in this one. So I'm really leaning Anderson in this one. I think that she'll get the finish uh, via knockout in this one. Next fight is in the middleweight division. We got Antonio Carlos Jr., who is 10 and 10-2, taking on Ian Heinisch, who is 12 and 12-1. The opening betting line for this one was acj at minus 230 to ian heinish at plus 170 right now we are seeing antonio carlos jr at minus 165 to ian heinish plus 145 so line margins have tightened up there's two action coming in on this fight it's a really close fight and uh, i'm really looking forward to this one i think this is uh, probably my second favorite matchup on the card you know uh, we got antonio carlos jr another uh You know, well-accomplished Jiu-Jitsu black belt. You know, another one of those guys who has, you know, world championships uh, in Jiu-Jitsu. I think uh, world champion brown belt level. um, And then I think he got, I believe, bronze medal in... uh, the black belt division when he competed in the in the worlds so you know just an incredible submission artist here he's got you know really good rear naked chokes he's won i think the past three of his fights by rear naked choke although they're over some lower level competition you know eric spicely is a black belt of his own right but you know not the greatest mma fighter jack marshman you know barely grapples and then um his most recent fight uh who the fuck was that against um Let's see, Antonio Carlos Jr. most recent win was over yeah, Tim Boch. You know, another guy who's been you notorious for a bad submission defense his entire career. So, you know, I don't hold too many of his wins too highly. The fight that I look at a lot is the Marvin Vittori fight, man. He struggled with Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori was, you know, I think that was uh it might have been his UFC debut. He was uh no, it wasn't. It was his second fight in the UFC. But uh, he was real green at the time. He uh, was 23 years old. And, he uh, you know, he presented a lot of problems for Antonio Carlos Jr. in that fight. He was hard to take down. He, he got up off of his feet. Uh, and he actually reversed the takedown in round two and ended up on top and started smashing ground and pound with uh, Antonio Carlos Jr., man. So, uh, you know... Antonio Carlos Junior does have some decent takedowns. He he can he's good in round one at getting the takedown, but if he does not get the takedown in round one, it's hard for him to get it in round two. Now he did get, eventually get the takedown in round three and grind out a decision against uh, Marvin Vittori in that fight, winning rounds one and three. Uh, but Vittori, you know, was beating him bad in round two, had him on his back and was smashing him with some ground and pound, all because he was just you know had some good takedown defense. And that was a a 23 year old Vittori, you know, an Italian fighter, a guy who really was just a striker prim- prim- primarily throughout his career. And uh, Vittori was able to uh, pro- uh, provide a tough fight for Carlos Junior in that fight. Now, getting over to uh, Ian Hynes, Ian Hynes made his UFC debut. On a week's notice versus Cesar Mutanché Ferreira, and man, that fight was just so impressive. Uh, you know, it was not the smartest fight that he could have fought. You know, he did go for a lot of uh, submissions on a third-degree black belt in Mutanché, but you know, I, I he I thought he I thought he won the fight, man. Obviously, he he uh, he won the decision, and I think that those those submission attempts helped him win the fight. Uh, You know, he showed that he was not afraid of the grappling of Mutanche. You know, most guys are are scared to engage with Mutanche on the ground. You know, he's Mutanche has some really good wins. You know, uh, Tiago Santos, he tapped out Jack Hermanson. He's, uh, I think that Mutanche has got better wins than Antonio Carlos Jr. Carlos Jr., I think, has, you know, mostly just been beating the lower-level guys. Like I mentioned, uh, Boach, Marshman, Spicely, Vittori, um, while Mutanche actually had some really good wins. Um... So, uh, ian Heinisch has really impressed me in that fight his cardio looked good he was you know attacking on the ground his offensive grappling looked good he was uh he was hitting his own takedowns on mutanche he, he dropped mutanche with a uh, right hook in round two he had good cardio good output pace in round three he, i honestly thought ian Heinisch won that fight like 30 27 i thought that he was winning round one he was really close to finishing that armbar in round round one as well that's why i gave I the first round. He dropped Mutanche in round two, and then he dominated round three. So, you know, that performance was just so impressive. But coming here on, on a week's notice against an established uh, UFC veteran like Mutanche, uh, an, uh, an established black belt like Mutanche, and then go in there and out-grapple him and out-strike him and just, you know, totally beat him down just such an impressive performance from heinish i'm just i'm I'm still riding high on the guy you know especially with his you know his his story of everything of him you know being in rikers island and everything and uh you know he eventually he he did have his last fight canceled on on the fight day versus uh tom breeze so he's getting back in here versus carlos jr uh, I expect him to be, you know, uh, fiend for a fight at this point. I think the dude is, you know, is just uh, an animal. He has no fears, and you saw that in in, in the Mutanche fight, he, you know, willingly engaging with the grappling in that third-degree black belt in Cesar Ferreira. So, uh, on the feet, I think that this one will be really close. I think that Heinz uh, will will actually have the better striking on the feet. I think that uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. will probably get Heinish down, but I think that heinish will stay solid defensively i don't think he'll get tapped out and i think that he'll be able to get back up to his feet then in rounds two i think heinish will start stuffing the takedowns he'll start winning the fight and in round three i think it'll come down to either guy and who has the better cardio and uh i think that ian heinish will you know ian heinish looked great in round three versus mutanche while antonio carlos jr lost uh well, uh, excuse me, well, he did get knocked out in round three versus um, Daniel Kelly not that long ago, but he, he was, you know, gasping for air against Marvin Vittori in round three of that fight. You know, he did grind out that decision, uh, that was the last time we saw him in round three though and his cardio looked bad he he looked like he was you know sweating that decision and everything so i think that when it, if it comes down to round three which i think it will it'll be you know one one going into the third i think the heinish his cardio will uh, lead him to be the more active striker he'll be stuffing the takedowns and landing the better shots in round three and i think the heinish will win a decision in this one now uh Antonio Carlos Jr. does have the ability to end this fight at any moment with that submission, but as long as Heinisch isn't uh, as reckless as he was last fight, you know, jumping guillotine and going arm bars and all types of uh, all types of crazy shit versus uh like he did versus Mutanche, as long as he does not do that against Antonio Carlos Jr. I think he will definitely win this fight, but you really can't, you really can't count on Heinich to do that. You know, he's a madman. He will probably do some reckless stuff that, you know, will make you question his fight IQ, but you know, that's what won him that last fight. It was being reckless and not having any fears. So, you know, I don't, I'd say don't switch up the game plan. Although Heinish's only loss of his career has come by, uh, arm triangle to Marcus Perez, uh, when he got, you know, reckless on the ground. So, um Heinish's uh, got to look out for that dangerous submission threat of Carlos jr but i think that he will avoid the submission and i think the heinous will win a decision so uh heinish uh at, as a plus 145 dog i think there's a, some value on that and some probably some value on his decision line as well let's take a look at what that line is yeah, plus 390 so definitely some value on the decision of ian Heinish there Next fight takes place in the welterweight division. This is our co-main event of the evening. We got Vincente Luque, who is 14 6 and 1, taking on Derek krantz who is 24 and 10. Now the opening betting line for this one was Vincente Luque, the minus 515 favorite to Derek krantz at plus three forty-five. Right now we are seeing Luque minus seven hundred to Derek Krantz at plus five hundred. So Luke opened as the five to one favorite in this one, and people have since bet him down to a seven to one favorite. And uh, I think it's you know pretty rightfully so. Um, Derek Kranz is uh, is getting a tough task in his UFC debut in this one. You know, pretty much pretty much the toughest task you could really ask for. Um, actually, it seems like they they've promoted Carlos Junior to Ian Heinish as main event, while uh, this fight's been uh, downgraded a little bit on the card, but uh i didn't know that before i started recording so um so be it so vincente luque you know is a a dangerous striker man he's got power in both hands he's got real good boxing uh and he's got good submissions as well he likes to hurt you on the feet and then snatching up a submission but his last fight against barbarina man was a close close fight um you know he was a you know, it was. I think that he was on his way to losing that fight. I thought that Luque won round one of that fight. He was outstriking Barbarina early. He was landing some big punches, uh, and then. He, uh, you know, I think that he was looking for the knockout and expecting to get the knockout early, like he does against a lot of opponents. But Barbarina is a zombie and he can take a punch. And, you know, he had a little bit of an adrenaline dump and Barbarina came back and eventually dropped Luque in round two of that fight. Um, you know, he did quickly recover from that. And he he almost actually he took Barbarina's back and almost got the rear naked choke shortly after he got dropped. But Barbarina once again escaped. Um... Luque again attacked a dark mission and then again, Barbarina escaped, uh, and then uh, Barbarina was landing some heavy ground and pound to uh, close out that second round, so I gave Barbarina the second round, and then Barbarina was just out-voluming, being the more active, uh, you know, aggressive fighter in round three, beating Luque in round three before Luque eventually poured it on in the last 30 seconds. Rock Barbarino with some punches and knees and eventually got the finish in the last 10 seconds, man. Just so, although Luque looked a a little shaky in that, although he got dropped, although he was on his way to losing, he dug fucking deep in the last 30 seconds of that fight, chased the finish, and got it. He knew he was down. He knew that he could lose this fight on the scorecards, so he decided to lay it all out there, and that's exactly what he did, and he got the finish, not having to leave it in the hands of the judges. So you know, uh, really impressive performance from Luque, although he was losing and was, you know, had to dig deep, he still, uh, he still knew when to turn it on, he knew when to, you know, turn up the heat and he got the finish, so you really can't, uh, knocked that fight too much. All You know, he looked you know, his defense didn't look the best You know his cardio didn't look the best his his chin didn't look too good But man that finish man It, it, it almost erased all of that negative or from earlier in the fight because barbara is a zombie man He gives he gives got hard guys or He gives good guys fights all the time You know, he's constantly a big underdog to uh, powerful strikers like Wally Alves and whatnot uh, Sage Northcutt not that he's a powerful striker, but and he he constantly comes through and gives them a tough fight so you can never count Barbarina out. So getting over to Derek Crantz, uh, you know he has definitely has knockout power in his hands. He absolutely you know smashed his last opponent with some punches, and he's fought some some UFC guys in his career before. He's fought uh, Poirier. He's fought Charles Bird. He's fought um, Alex Morono. He actually picked up a victory over Charles Bird. Uh, exploited that ground game but charles bird like some guys in the ufc has took him down took his back and ruined and choked him he also has some uh some uh, vasterized submissions he has a real nice uh von flu choke i saw some video of he's got uh you know definitely a, a solid ground game and he's got some solid power on the feet too so he's definitely a well-rounded fighter but he's just you know he's not going to be on luke's level he's gonna you know He's just uh, getting a really tough debut in this one. He's he punched his ticket to the UFC, though. You know he got in here uh, into the promotion on a short notice fight. He he knows that the, he's, the odds are probably stacked against him in this fight, but he's still coming in here, and he's uh, probably going to throw down. But I think that, that Luke will be better on the feet. He'll be better on the ground, and I think that Luke will win uh, this fight and no matter where it goes. But I expect Luque to be more cautious in this one. I don't think he'll come out swinging for the fences like he does in, in his past uh, most recent fights. I think that he will, uh, you know, be weary that he almost lost that last fight uh, to Barbarina, and he will uh, probably play this one safe, especially it being a new opponent on uh, a week's notice. So I expect uh, Luque to win via decision. Moving on to the main event of the evening, we have Rafael dos Anjos, who is twenty eight and eleven, taking on Kevin Lee, who is seventeen and four. The opening betting line for this one was Kevin Lee, the favorite, at minus 135 to Rafael dos Santos at minus 105. Right now, over on Five Dimes, we are seeing Jafael dos Santos minus 115 to Kevin Lee at p- minus 105. So, line margins have tightened up. There's definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. It's a real close fight. We got Kevin Lee moving up to uh welter weight uh, making his debut at that division and uh we got the former lightweight champion javier Sanjos looking to bounce back from a couple uh losses uh via uh decision to uh, five round losses um to colby covington and to uh Kamara usman um so uh you know, Rafael dos Anjos has uh, notoriously struggled with uh, pressure wrestlers. You know, most of the guys in his career he has lost to have been wrestlers: uh, Jamie Stevens, Clay Guida, Gle- Gleison Tebow, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman. All literally all eight of those guys are wrestlers. So um, you know, he does have a few losses to other guys, um, but. For the most part, it's pressure wrestlers that really give Rafael dos Anjos, uh, you know, a run for his money. He has beaten a few wrestlers, no doubt. You know, uh, Robbie Lawler, Benson Henderson, both those guys have very solid wrestling pedigrees. Even Donald Cerrone is good wrestling, so it's not like uh, it's the uh, complete Achilles heel of Rafael dos Anjos, But he has taken on Kevin Lee. Who has a a great wrestling pedigree of his own? I don't really know exactly what his credentials are, but I know he has great great takedowns, great top control, um, good you know good back takes, good rear naked chokes. You know rear naked choke is definitely his uh, his biggest weapon. You know most of his uh, high level wins, I believe, have come via rear naked choke. You know he uh, uh, got Kiesa with it, Trinaldo, Magomed Mustafayev um you know a lot of good guys um and then he also uh picked up that his most impressive victory has to be that absolute thrashing of edson barbosa that five round beating or well i guess a four round beating when he actually lost a round in that fight but he uh you know was just relentless with the takedown the top pressure and the ground and pound and just smashed edson barbosa in that fight viciously but Kevin Lee has had his fair share of low IQ moments in the UFC. Most recently, his fight against Ally Quinta, man. The game plan of that fight uh, that Lee tried to execute was just so fucking dumb, man. He he lost himself that fight so clearly. You know, Lee's got some of the best uh, wrestling and top pressure and submissions in the division. And then he's going out there and trying to strike versus Ally Quinta, who's the better boxer. Uh, you know... He was just cleanly outstruck from the moment that fought that fight started. Um, you know, Kevin Lee did win, I think, rounds maybe two and three of that fight. I think one of those was even close. I think round two was really close. Um, Lee the only one that Lee really dominantly won was round three. He got the body triangle, he took the back of Ally Quinza, but he, he gassed his legs out with that body triangle. He wasn't able to get the finish and then he was tired in rounds four and five of that fight and Ally Quinza took over late. And put a beating on Kevin Lee in rounds 4 and 5 of that fight. You know, it was pretty much close to stopping Kevin Lee in round 5 of that fight. Uh, so, uh, you know, very questionable game plan from Kevin Lee in that fight. He was trying to strike way too much. He was trying to look like a striker, trying to look like something he was not out there. But Ally Quinton, you know, showed him what's what and, and outboxed him clean in that fight. So, if Kevin Lee tries to that, or implement that same game plan and try to outstrike Rafael dos Santos I think he's going to lose this fight pretty clearly I think that dos Santos is the much better striker uh, you know he's you know just throughout his entire career Rafael dos Andres has had really good striking and especially the past uh, you know five years has just you know brought his striking to a whole nother level uh, you know finishing Cerrone he put on that you know master class performance versus Pettis and Diaz with the leg kicks and the pressure and then uh, you know his he outstruck Robbie Lawler for the most for most of their fight. He smashed Neil Magny with a leg kick, and then uh, you know hit him with some top pressure, and then eventually got the submission in that one. You know, don't forget Rafael dos Andres is like a, I think a fifth degree black belt or something like that. One of the highest credentialed black belts on the roster. So I think that Kevin Lee is going to have a hard time getting off his bread and butter of the rear naked choke in this fight. I really don't see him submitting Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, I don't think Rafael Dos Anjos has ever been submitted, if I'm correct. Um, Yeah, never been submitted in his career. So I I don't see Kevin Lee being the first man to do it. Uh, I see um, Kevin Lee trying to implement that same game plan that Colby Covington and Usman did, where you push him against the fence and you, you know, stall him out and you look for the takedown, look for the top pressure, you know, Usman had much, much more success than Colby Covington did. Colby did push him against the cage for a a long time in that fight and did get a few takedowns, but did not have nearly the amount of top pressure or ground a pound that Usman did. The Colby Covington fight was actually a lot closer than people uh, remember it. You know, uh, Dos Anjos uh, wasn't always you know in that fight you know it seemed like colby had his number early it seemed like colby was putting on the pace he was executing his game plan he was you know winning the fight uh from you know i i thought from the moment the fight started but um you know i guess you could see you could give colby or rda round one you could definitely give him round four so you know that's a 48 47 decision that's not that that's not that you know wide of a decision so Usman definitely beat him bad, though. Usman beat him, you know, 50-45, uh, maybe even more than that. Um, it's just, he really, uh, Rafael Dos Santos really struggled with the the movement. He really couldn't circle around the cage much he was not, you know, using his footwork as well as he could. He was he did a decent job stuffing the takedowns, you know, he made them work. He made Usman work for everyone. He was digging under hooks and fighting to get back up to his feet and everyone. He actually did get back up to his feet from a, a few of those takedowns from Usman, but Usman was able to get him down in, in pretty much every round. He um You know, really just broke RDA with the pressure, with the wrestling. Uh, RDA was, like I said, able to get back up to his feet a few times, but really did not have pretty much no success in that fight. But. Uh, Colby and Usman are natural 170 years. Those guys are big guys. You know, they probably weigh 190 in the cage that night, while RDA is a guy who has fought at lightweight for, you know, most of his career and has only recently moved up to uh, welterweight. So I think that uh, he's going to be fighting a guy who's close to his size this time in Kevin Lee. You know, uh, again, a former lightweight. Uh, and I think that uh, it's going to be a much, much closer fight. Uh, you know, I don't think, uh, I think Kevin Lee's cardio is pretty susceptible. You know, we, we really haven't seen him show, you know, the, the Barbosa fight, he showed good cardio, but he was in control of that fight the whole time. We've never really seen him in a back and forth type of fight where he showed good cardio. The back and forth type of fight, he did have a, a five rounder against Iaquinta. His cardio looked shit in that fight. He gassed out in round four and got beat off round four and five of that fight. Um so you got to think that RDA will have the better cardio in there. You got to think RDA will have the better striking. I think that um you know RDA is the better overall M- better MMA fighter, but man, he's getting up there in age. You can't you cannot ignore RDA's miles. He's 34 years old. He's had 40 MMA fights. He's had 25 UFC fights. He's been in the UFC for, you know, over 10 years now. He's been in the UFC since Uh, November of 2008 so 11 years in the UFC you know uh, hope does he have more one more run left in him you know he did have those two losses at lightweight and he bounced back with three wins at, uh, at welterweight over a great competition but he's again his back's against the wall he's got he's facing two losses does he have one more resurgence in him to come back here and get this comeback victory over kevin lee um it's a big question but i think that he does i think that he's going to be game i think that um uh I favor Rafael Dosanjos in this fight. He's fought a, he's fought well to eight before. I think he's ha- shown the better cardio. I think that he's facing a little bit of a step down in competition in this one. I think he's fought better wrestlers, better pressure fighters recently, and I think that he's going to be, you know, uh the foot is going to be let off the gas a little bit in this one facing Kevin Lee. So I think the world will start to see that uh, that better RDA where he's going to be striking at range. He's going to be leg kicking. He's going to be uh, stuffing the takedowns of uh, of RDA of, of Lee and maybe even ending up on top in a grappling exchange, is showing off that the high that uh, black belt he's got, that great ground game that RDA has in his back pocket that he uh, rarely shows. But it's going to be a good fight, man. I think that if Kevin Lee has the right game plan and he comes in here with that pressure that push against the cage the top pressure the ground to pound the look for submissions i think that he will win the fight i but if he tries to strike if he you know tries to you know prove that he can strike with rda or if he does not come in here with the best game plan and in the best of shape i think the rda will win the fight and i think that the latter uh, option that i just said about um you know, Lee trying to strike a little too much and giving RDA uh, a chance to win this fight, I think that's the more likely scenario. So I'm going to go with Rafael Dos Anjos to win this fight uh, via 48-47 decision. So that's going to do it for the UFC uh, Rochester preview. We got 13 fights going down in Rochester, New York, this Saturday night, starting things off with seven prelim fights at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and then six fight main card at... um, 8 p.m eastern time and with that being said we're just going to quickly recap the ufc 237 uh, pay-per-view that went down this past weekend it was uh you know a pretty crazy card i'll, I'll give you that it had uh, its fair share of uh of finishes and good fights um in the predictions uh, realm of things uh, i went six and six so out of the 12 fights i got you know, half of them wrong um so did, did not do, do too good starting things off viviana raho Put on an incredible performance, getting a knockout over Talitha Bernardo. You know, short notice, five days notice, up 20 pounds in weight, UFC debut, and Araujo comes in here and knocks out Bernardo. One of the most impressive debuts, uh, you know, of the past five years, past you know, that I've ever seen. One of the most impressive debuts ever from a fighter in Viviana Araujo. Hayoni Barcelos finished Carlos uh, Huachin Quiros uh via ground and pound tko in that one um you know i thought uh huachin looked good honestly in round one of that fight he was definitely game uh definitely didn't regret some stabs on his tko line luana carolina outstruck uh cachuera to a decision she looked really good in that fight it was a pretty fun fight honestly a fun lower level women's fight clay guida um defeated uh bj Penn unanimous decision uh you know uh, B.J. Penn didn't look that bad, honestly. I think that Guida, uh, even though Guida won, Guida looked worse than B.J. Penn. You know, he was, you know, Guida let off, the, his took his foot off the gas in this one. He had a little too much respect for B.J. Penn, and he did not ch- chase the finish at all. Wally Alves uh, defeated be uh, via knockout. He, you know, just outstruck Marias all fight. Got that one wrong. Thought Marias was going to lay and pray for a victory in that one. Moisis got the decision victory in that one. Uh, I I think I predicted that one correctly. I thought that um, you know he would be the better. Uh, he would have that ground game to mix up, and he would just be the better MMA fighter. That's true. I think I picked. Uh, I did pick Span to win against Noguera. He got the knockout early in that fight. Aldana uh, had a actually somewhat competitive fight with Kohe. Aldana won round one. Kohe came back on one round two, and then in round three, uh, Aldana was eventually able to snatch up the armbar to get the victory in that one. But I was sweating the scorecards a little on a little bit in that one. Steropoli looked pretty good against Alves. just out-voluming him do a decision. Got that one wrong. Volkanovski, you know, out-voluming out uh, Aldo to a decision, you know, bad decision in that one. 30-27, I, I gave Aldo rounds one and two of that fight, you know, a little bit biased for Aldo, obviously. I was live betting him, and, you know, he's one of my favorite fighters ever, but I honestly thought that Aldo was 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 edging that fight early, but the judges obviously disagreed. Kananir took Silva out of there um, with a leg, with just attacking an inside leg kick, and eventually TKO'd Silva due to leg injury, then Nauman Yunus came out there looking, looking uh, excellent against Andrade. Was out, outboxing her easily through the first uh, round or two of this fight. Actually dropped her in round one with a knee. But then Andrade, you know, just picked her up and slammed her on her head for the knockout slam victory. Uh, Got the last four fights of the evening all wrong (laughs) in that one. So, uh, like I said, six for six on predictions in that in that uh, that pay per view. Um, You know the uh, the whole main card went pretty wrong, pretty differently than I expected. But um, you know, regardless, uh, some good fights from Brazil, and that's gonna do it for the podcast this week. This has been episode sixty one of the Martian MMA podcast. I'm sorry my voice has been a little hoarse My allergies are pretty uh, pretty bad right now But we still got through the program And we're going to enjoy the fights this Saturday night In Rochester, New York So I'll see you all um, before UFC 238 We got a couple weeks off I don't think there's any fights for the next couple weeks So we'll see you in a few weeks Peace <laughs>